Good evening. Welcome to Left, Right and Center, a special Friday edition. I'm Vishnu Shom. On the program this evening, the government today hit out at the billionaire philanthropist George Soros over his remarks criticizing Prime Minister Modi and raising questions on Hindenburg Research's report on the industrialist Gautam Adani and his empire. Soros said, among other things, he expects the Adani controversy to, and I quote, significantly weaken Modi's stranglehold on India's federal government and open the door to push for much-needed institutional reforms. I may be naive, said Soros, but I expect a democratic revival in India. Why is this happening and why are why is the government hitting out in the manner that it is now? Is this an aggressive global policy linked to India's growing economic heft or is this an aggressive nationalism at a time when so many are questioning India, whether it's the BBC, Soros over here, there have been other incidents in the past. Why is this all happening? Is this and our response a part of our aggressive nationalism? And if it is aggressive nationalism, does that in any way diminish our international perception? That's what we're going to be looking at first, but we've got a one-hour program as usual. Next, after that, nearly eight months after his coup in Maharashtra, Shiv Sena, Eknath Shinde's claim on the party's name and bow and arrow symbol has been cleared by the Election Commission. Now, that's a huge setback for the former Chief Minister Udav Thakre. In a 78-page order on this very protracted battle for control over the organization, the EC said Mr. Shinde, who became Chief Minister after the revolt, uh, was supported by MLAs with 76% of the party's winning votes in the 2019 Maharashtra Assembly polls and therefore is the rightful heir to the name and symbol of the party. But let's listen in first to what the billionaire George Soros actually had to say, how India has responded. I'll be joined by Shopun Das Gupta in a few minutes. Reverting to India, Modi and business tycoon Adani are close allies. Their fate is intertwined. Adani Enterprises tried to raise funds in the stock market but failed. Adani is accused of stock manipulation and his stock collapsed like a house of cards. Modi is silent on the subject, but he will have to answer questions from foreign investors and in Parliament. This will significantly weaken Modi's stranglehold on India's federal government and open the door for, to push for much-needed institutional reforms. I may be naive, but I expect a democratic revival in India. The man who broke the Bank of England, a man who is known and designated so by a nation as an economic war criminal, has now pronounced his desire to break the Indian democracy. That George Soros wants a government which is pliable to his needs is more than evident from his statements. That he has pronounced 
funding of over a billion dollars, particularly to target leaders like Prime Minister Modi, is significant. That when India rose to the fifth largest economy of the world, when the President of the United States of America, the Prime Minister of England, the President of France, publicly extended gratitude to the Indian Prime Minister and India for enabling employment not only in India, but also these three designated nations. Such is a time where the imperialistic intentions of an entrepreneur come to light. Today, as a citizen, I call upon every individual and organization, societal or political, to denounce the intention of this individual who seeks to demonize our democracy, weaken our democratic interests, and who brings an onslaught to the economy of India, all so that he can personally gain. Those who Mr. Soros finds pliable need to know that India has defeated imperialistic designs before and shall do so again. Those who support Mr. Soros need to know that democracy has prevailed in India and will continue to do so, and particularly as a karakarta of the Bharatiya Janata Party. These designs to weaken Indian democracy will be met with the might of India under the leadership of Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Well, joining us now, the senior BJP leader, Shopun Das Gupta. Thanks very much, Mr. Das Gupta, for being with us. Now, the key part of what, uh, of what George Soros said, the Adari controversy will, and I quote, significantly weaken Modi's stranglehold on India's federal government and open the door to push for much-needed institutional reforms. I may be naive, but I expect a democratic revival in India. Uh, how would you respond to that? He, he expects this to, to result in some profound change in our democracy on the basis of, of this controversy with the Adanis. Well, Vishnu, the first thing we must notice that George Soros is not a mere political analyst. Had a political analyst written this, you could have said, you know, he may be right, he may be wrong, etc. But there is a baggage which George Soros carries. And George Soros is a person who uses his economic clout, who uses economic leverage to destabilize, to get to manipulate regimes, to have political, uh, to uh, to manipulate political, uh, uh, manipulate politics. He's done that before. He's got a record of doing it in the United Kingdom. He's got a record in Hungary, his home, uh, the, the the country where he was born in, where he's almost a persona non grata, where there's a sort of a national campaign against him. And he's now trying to do this in India. 
Now, why he singled out India for uh, such exceptional attention is a matter which he can answer. But the mere fact is that today George Soros announced two things. One is that what happened in as far as the Hindenburg report was not a pure innocent, you know, uh, analysis of a corporate body which may have been guilty of certain things. It was slightly more than that. It was linked very much to the political, uh, to the politics of India and what the implications of that would be on India. In other words, what they expected, I think that that's the subtext of it, is that it would lead to a profound economic destabilization of India, which in turn would have a cascading effect and have a political impact which would destabilize the Modi regime, weaken him and perhaps strengthen some other people. Who it was, it's going to strengthen is a matter of conjecture. So, so Shobhadar, let me ask you this. The other key question is that Soros says of Prime Minister Modi, he says the Prime Minister has to answer questions from foreign investors and Parliament on allegations of fraud and stock manipulation against Adani Group companies. Now, our opposition says this as well. But the question does remain, does the, should the Prime Minister not personally respond directly to the allegations? No. I don't think so. I don't think the Prime Minister should respond to what Mr. George Soros is going to say. The Prime Minister may or may not respond to what parliamentarians say. But certainly when what Mr. Soros says is not worthy of attention. What I think is very important is that the, the there are certain institutions in India which should respond, which should actually take up the matter of how uh, this uh, the whole Adani issue has played out. And I think SEBI is looking into it, RBI is looking into it, and I think the Supreme Court is also seized of the matter. So there are various institutions in India which are looking into this. Now, all of them are looking into it. Why? For the reason, because they feel that anything important like this, which could have, which could have a impact on ordinary investors, on the confidence of India as a thing, needs attention. In other words, their intention is to how do we improve the system? If there are weaknesses in the system, how do we improve it? And how, how do we plug loopholes? The intention of Mr. Soros is not that. It is how do we how do I use this to destabilize the country? I don't so let's like talk Mr. a little Modi. bit more about. I don't that. like Mr. Modi. He, he says he doesn't like Mr. Modi, so he would like to use this for that purpose. So several BJP leaders have said that there's a, a foreign conspiracy. Uh, I, I mean, going beyond Soros, um, you know, one that is targeting us. I think Mr. Javdekar, in fact, mentioned this as well. I think Smithy Rani alluded to that as well. Uh, you know, but there's this BBC controversy now, Soros as well. Earlier on, there was Greta Thunberg, Hindenburg now. How would you respond to those who say that, you know, it's far-fetched to sort of link all of these and say that they've all come together and are conspiring against India? Well, I would look, look at, uh, I would look, look upon all these different uh, expressions of uh, hatred towards Mr. Modi in a slightly different way. I think there is an ecosystem at work which finds Mr. Modi's politics absolutely repugnant. Now, that they may find it repugnant, they may dislike it, but the fact is Mr. Modi is an elected representative of India. He's won two elections. He is popular still in this country. And therefore, to, to go against the wishes. You, you can say, I don't like Mr. Modi. Fair enough. 
you know, you, I mean, there are lots of people in India who say that. That's not the issue. The issue is why do you want to interfere in the sovereign right of a people to choose its own government? Hmm. And I think that this, in some senses, actually in, infringes on the sovereignty of India. And I think that sovereignty of India is under somewhat attack. And I think there is a belief in some quarters that if you hit India hard enough, India will somehow wilt. And I think that's the assumption on which some of these things are made. And as far as the BBC is concerned, there is a, as I said, there is an ecosystem at work. And I think these are expressions, the different expressions of that ecosystem. I think George Soros represents the most extreme end of it. And the BBC or some other other, other people might, the more, more sort of benign part of it. Shopanda, um, you know, the way India is responding, and we've seen a more uh, strident <coughs> foreign policy in recent uh, times, uh, you know, I mean, separate to this entire controversy, the, the way we've handled uh, the entire issue of Russian oil, our foreign minister has been very vociferous about where we stand, national interest first, etc., etc. Do you believe that India is now willing to take on, if not the BBC, then Soros over here, anybody who questions us directly on our democracy, our economy, our values and our government uh, on the basis of this newfound power, which is which is based on our economic strength, the fifth largest economy, uh, the GDP growing when other nations aren't. Uh, and so we aren't necessarily brazening it out. We've, we are here and we've arrived, certainly economically. Is that the backbone that upon which we, we raise our arguments? Well, I think you've got to look, look upon it in, in a sort of historical context. That, that this country has been kicked about, it's been spat on for a very, very long time. And it's been spat on partly because we, we've seen, uh, and it, it's, we, we've been at the receiving end of all this, partly because there is a sense of weakness which accompanies in there. E- economic vulnerability, poverty, weakness, etc., political, di- uh, political disunity. Now that we've managed to overcome a lot of this, I think there is a certainly a short fuse as far as this is concerned. There is a reaction. And I think the belligerence with which Mr. Jai Shankar, for instance, spoke to many of those people who questioned the, uh, the, in India's purchase of energy from Russia actually gave that we are putting our self-interest first. You people have put your self-interest at first. Very many times allow us the luxury of doing it. And please don't be condescending towards us. Right. I think it's that feeling that please do not be condescending towards us. And if this appears to be uh, an act of uber-nationalism, I think it's unfortunate that you should see it in that, that way. I think it's really an assertion that really don't treat India in the same way as you did in the past. So let's flip that argument. slightly different India. Shabata, Maybe let's... the expression of that is a bit... Uh, uh, forceful, but that's the end. At, at the end of the day, that's the story. Let's flip that argument around. Uh, and if I were to ask you, how would you respond then to those who say that our aggressive nationalism, uh, in other words, hitting up back at at Soros, Hindenburg, the BBC, uh, Greta Thunberg earlier on, it uh, that too in, in our G20 year in many of these cases shows us to be an insecure democracy. No, I don't think it shows us to be an insecure democracy at all. I think we are a proud democracy. 
And I think we are a democracy. We, you, you could say we are a jealous democracy. You could say that. The fact that we actually do defend ourselves. We are very proud of what, what we have. Of course, there are shortcomings. Of course, there are shortcomings. We know that. But it's the manner in which you make these uh, criticisms, which, which is, which, which, which is uh, relevant in the, this space. I think the, I, I mean, why should Indians be squeamish about the fact that today our government or a very large section of the political establishment is hitting back at those who are treating India like a banana republic or one of those unfortunate third world countries which need to be uh, patronized, which need to be said, tut, tut, you know, you could do better, you know, like spoiled children and things. And that, that's an attitude which may have been relevant 50 years ago, 100 years ago, but it's certainly not the case now. And I think it's right, it's only right that, that we uh, actually articulate our pride in a forceful sort of way. Maybe my, way, my method of articulation of that pride is slightly different from someone else's. Sure. But at the end of the day, that's what it means. Some people might say it a bit more forcefully than uh, I would do so. But, but, but it's the, in effect, it's the same thing. Shapun, that George Soros has supported, uh, as you know, the presidential campaigns of, uh, of, of many liberal Democrats, such as Obama, Hillary Clinton, uh, Biden as well. But uh, he's spoken against Xi Jinping. He's spoken out against Donald Trump. He's spoken uh, against uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan of, uh, of Turkey. So how would you respond then to those who equate Narendra Modi with the hardline style of leadership of a Trump, of an Erdogan, of a Xi, which someone like Soros criticizes. Is that our well, prime minister? Mr. Soros is in the habit... the same prison, prism? Mr. Soros is in the habit of dividing the world into two categories. Those whom he likes, those whom he dislikes. And those whom he likes, he will do everything for them. And those whom he dislikes, he will do everything to destabilize them. Now, that might be a fantastic parlor game. But, you know... In, in real life, if you use your considerable political and economic, your monetary clout to do so, you're bound to get a reaction. And that's, you forgot to mention what has happened as far as his attempt to destabilize Hungary, his, his native place, you know, and the response, the, the amount of money which was poured in to propping up the Hungarian opposition, which came a cropper because uh, Viktor Orban won with more than 50% of the votes, 50% of the popular vote. And part of it, I may assure you, was a direct reaction to uh, George Soros. Now, I, I, I personally feel that it's, it's astonishing. It's astonishing that Mr. Soros believes that he has the right to dictate what America should believe he has a right to dictate what, how the Europe, uh, Europeans should, should vote in the Brexit issue. He has a right to de- decide whether to support the Indian National Congress and get his representative. And yet here with, we are debating to, this. To march Shabada, with and yet here we leaders. are debating this. You've had so many BJP leaders reacting. So everybody is giving him importance. Well, well, it the, is. You see, Mr. Soros is an important. So he seems part. to have a right, whether we like a, it or not. That right has been he given is to important. him. I, I, can, I concede that Mr. Soros is not a complete paper tiger. All right. Mr. Okay. Soros has done a considerable amount of damage to various countries, 
And therefore, if we were to take him lightly, I think we would be guilty of underestimating a, a gravely potential, a, a, a big threat, which could be a potential threat at present, but it could be. So don't underestimate George Soros. He's done. I mean, he's, he's got his credentials impeccable. I mean, he'll go down in history as a man who, who, without controlling a single state, has managed to manipulate things in a way. So, you know, full credit to him. But don't try it here, please. All right, Chopada, thanks. If you try it here, if you try it here, you will get a response. All right. Chopada, I need to wrap this up. I've got my uh, panelists waiting. You're welcome to join us if you like. But thanks very much for being with us. Ambassador Kawal Sibyl, former Foreign Secretary with us. Uh, Dr. Rajdeep Roy, uh, the BJP MP. Smita Gupta, senior journalist. And Yogendra Yadav with us as well. Uh, Yogendra ji, uh, is India overreacting to George Soros' comments? Let's get the facts clear. George Soros is an eccentric billionaire with all kinds of strong opinions about the world, about political philosophy. He's no BBC. He's no Amnesty International. He's not even a Freedom House. So the strange thing is that no one in India, no one in the opposition, no one who's resisting Mr. Modi is coming out to say, Mr. Soros is great, listen to him. He's saying something important. No, no one is paying attention to him. Who's paying attention to him? But isn't that strange? But isn't that strange, Yogendraji? Just to interrupt you briefly, because one of the points that he is saying... exactly my point that it is so strange because the BJP wants to make Mr. Soros into an issue. No one is interested in Mr. Soros. And the problem is, I was listening to Swapan Das Gupta very carefully. Uh, the funny thing is uh, that he says, we have been spat upon. Mr. Swapan Das Gupta, if you allow fraudulence to drape itself in national colors, you will, you may not be spat upon, but you will be mocked at. This is what is happening. So to is this India country. being mocked for I our response? Is that what you're saying? Is India being mocked for our response to Soros? Uh, well, India, I think people would uh, people would laugh at it in a country that, uh, you know, you have the political machinery trying to respond to Mr. Soros about imaginary conspiracies. Do get me some evidence of Mr. Soros's investment in India, how much is being withdrawn, etc. Then let's talk about it. Uh, I think I heard Mr. Soros carefully. Uh, and as I said, I really don't hold him in any high regard. And, uh, but he says a few facts. Number one, he says... Uh, Mr. Modi and Tycoon Adani are close allies. It's a simple fact. Everyone in this country knows it. And someone doesn't know he has to go to some other country. That their fate is intertwined. That looks quite plausible. He says Adani was accused of stock manipulations, which is, of course, a fact. That Adani's stock collapsed like a house of cards, which is again a fact. He says that India is democracy, but Mr. Modi is no Democrat. He's not the first one to say that. Anyone who knows India even slightly would know these things. From that, he draws two conclusions. One conclusion is that Mr. Modi will have to answer questions from foreign investors. Of course, he will have to answer. If Mr. Modi and his darbaris welcome any foreign investment, and, and, no, but uh, Yogendraji, that's just the point. That's why I am saying the key point mentioned by Soros is that there need to be answers, right? There need to be answers in Parliament and there need to be answers of the association between the Adani group and the Prime Minister. So therefore, is it not, is it not strange that the opposition, for example, the Congress, 
should choose to step back and not say that, look, no, what he's asking is what we are asking because they're asking the same thing. <laughs> I think Congress has got smarter. They've not got into the trap that you have set for themselves. Them. Uh, it would be childish for Congress or anyone to try and play this game. I don't mis- know, mis- need Mr. Soros to tell me what questions we should ask him in Parliament. Right. The okay. questions are okay. being asked. And uh, yes, I agree with one thing that Mr. Swapandas Gupta said, that there is absolutely no need for the Prime Minister of India to respond to George Soros. Of right. course, the Prime Minister of India needs to respond to the Parliament of India. He needs to respond to the people of India. All right, but he doesn't need to respond to Soros. All right. Which he hasn't okay. so far. Ambassador Sibyl, uh, you know, just in terms uh, of our response, um, we are a nation as large as we are, 1.2 billion plus, um, a huge economy. We are, we are doing well economically, nuclear power, this, that and the other. Why do we need to get so angry about what George Soros says? Are we seriously weakened by him? Well, George Soros has a history, has a background. Uh, He is a manipulator, stock manipulator, a hedge fund manipulator. He's made billions in short selling. And I don't think that's a very honorable kind of a financial uh, activity because you are speculating, you are gambling and you are manipulating. This is his background. Now, he's made a lot of money, so he wants to, in a sense, hide his sins and he's become a philanthrop. Uh, and this happens to many people who made a lot of money through all kinds of devious means, including the great American families like Rockefeller and others. That is one. The other is that uh, I just heard a panelist say that he has only narrated facts. Uh, it's not facts, it's judgment. When he says that Dhani and Modi are allies... How do you know it's a fact? And when you say that fate is intertwined, what does that mean? That just like his stocks, the Dani stocks fell like a house of cards, um, Mr. Modi political future will also fa- fall like a house of cards? I mean, is this a fact? Is this borne out by any study on the ground about the 2024 elections? Now, he says that he got a stranglehold on, on the federal government. What does that mean? What does that mean, stranglehold on... Yes, the, the opposition is weak, but there are there are uh, there's a lot of opposition uh, also uh, in the country at various levels, including in in parliament. So it's not as if uh, he has such a stranglehold as Xi Jinping has over the Communist Party that absolutely no voice of opposition opposition uh, can be can be heard. And he talks about a, a revival, democratic revival in India. Uh, is, is this a fact or is it just a judgment? Because he thinks India is not a democracy. We are having elections after elections. It's a, it's a different matter. People are unhappy that Modi continues to win the elections, but he loses them also. And in the states, there are many political forces and parties which are governing, which are not uh, pro-BJP. Okay. And then, of course, one thing which is mentioned, which is not being cited here, that he incites violence against the Muslims, and that explains his meteoric rise. Is that a fact? Come on, I mean, we, we don't... No, that is one. The other is that uh, you said something earlier on in your presentation that why do we need to worry and all that. You know, about an international conspiracy. Don't forget, there is the Bilderberg Group, there is the Trilateral Commission. Uh, there is also people in the Davos, there is the Omidyar Foundation. There are lots of international foundations who have a similar agenda of ensuring that the grip, the hegemony, financial, political, uh, 
of the West is somehow maintained. Okay, Ambassador Sibyl, half a second. You made lots of points. Uh, Yogendra, I'll come back to you in just a little bit. Smita uh, is with us as well. Smita, the conspiracy angle, do you accept it that all of the groups, many of which the ambassador spelt out, are all working against India's interests. It, it's almost as if they sit in a room, they talk amongst each other, and then they say, okay, now we will do this, and India is going to be weakened. Do you, do you accept this conspiracy? Or that's is it in our heads? That's not what I said. All right, don't, okay. Don't your breath like I said. Oh, okay, I exaggerated that somewhat. <laughs> Go ahead, Smith. Well, uh, I, if that, that is the interpretation, I don't really see any kind of conspiracy. I think the problem here is that while... Uh, most of what Mr. Soros has said uh, is believed by many people in this country. Mr. Soros's own reputation is a bit dubious. So, you know, which is why you be, we see that the Congress party has come out and distanced itself uh, from the statement because they don't want to get into this whole thing about who's patriotic and who's not patriotic. And, you know, uh, and, you know, the fact is, uh, I think because if you see Jairam Ramesh's statement, it's very carefully worded. Yes. Uh, um, now, I don't. I I think it's a case of overreaction by the government. Why is the government getting so worked up and giving Mr. Soros so much importance? I mean, can he? Uh, does he have that much influence that he can actually, uh, you know, make people believe what they don't wish to believe? If the people who don't believe what he said. Will they st suddenly start believing it because of that? Will it affect, uh, in, in, you know, uh, um, you know, our reputation in the West? Uh, will it, uh, you know, stop people from abroad from, you know, putting money into India? Uh, I don't know because Mr. Soros is really uh, has a rather dubious reputation. All right, well, let me try and get an answer. Often tends to overreact to things that they could ignore. Okay, Dr. Rajzi Proy, uh, Lok Sabha MP of the BJP. Why does the BJP appear rattled? Ah, uh, look, uh, at the outset, I'd like to thank you for having me in your left, right, and center. Uh, to me, the analysis is very clear and simple. Mr. Soros, Mr. George Soros is neither naive nor he is a, nor is a good political analyst. To my mind, what he seems, he's a con man who has had the history of bringing down banks, governments and rival businesses and he has made dubious money. Obviously, my concern is not Mr. George Soros. My concern is in the parliament when a person like Hindenburg Research speaks and gives the report. It is a cabal inside the parliament who raised these issues up and stalls the parliament. So when I meet after announce, say, next 20 days from now on 13th of February, nobody knows what the Congress and the other opposition party no, will but do. They wanted they will answer. The issue of George, an answer George, hasn't been given. The, the point Sorry? of the Congress and of the opposition is that the Prime Minister, neither in the Lok Sabha or in the Rajya Sabha, answered any of the questions which were asked. Obviously, so the point which Soros actually those, says those that this needs to be answered in Parliament. Has it been answered? No. The Prime Minister no, spoke about India's month. economic... Strength, our power, what was not done, the dark years of the Congress, 2004 to 2014, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the key questions uh, of association, of crony capitalism, have not been answered. Therefore, the question which Soros asks and others also ask is, will there be answers? And if not, why not? Look, if you, if you think that Mr. Uh, Modi should be the right person to answer to Mr. George Soros, I think you are... No, to uh, the opposition. Not, not be answered. He, but the Soros, Soros is asking the same thing which the opposition has asked. 
Soros says there need to be answers within parliament. That's what the opposition is asking. The opposition now in our country cannot be seen to be backing Soros because they're worried because he has a dubious deputation and they don't want to be... But the questions that Soros is asking is essentially what they're asking. Right? So therefore, that, 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 that's my question to you. Why not just answer the questions? Look, uh, I think Mr. Uh, Ms. Smriti Irani today has very beautifully worded her, her press conference. And it is, it is very, very categorical. This actually does not need any merit because he's of his dubious record. But to be honest, what she has said that Modiji is not a democrat and we, he wishes democracy to be respond, uh, restored in our country. I can only uh, laugh at all his suggestion. If, if, uh, this is a government which has not used Article 356 in the last eight years. Neither it has used this in, in, in uh, Atalji's time. So we are actually looking at all federal governments to perform to their best as per the election mandate given by the local state. We have never destabilized democracy whenever BJP was in power. And I think you will appreciate that. And in the Rajya Sabha speech also, Mr. Modi very categorically said it was the Congress government, government which uh, introduced Article 356 on 90 occasions and Mrs. Indira Gandhi on 60 of them, she was a party to this. So what I think is that uh, we probably should not be looking too much into what uh, Soros is saying. But what I think is that it is the cabal in the country we will use uh, Mr. George and Hindenburg's report to actually, you know, rake up the rake up the issue just before the uh, general forthcoming general okay. election. All right. Uh, Yogendraji, I know you have a point to make, but also answer this question. How would you respond to those who say that, look, there's a lot of sense, a lot of good things which Soros may have done in India. He's tied up with the Indian School of Business in the past and Google. He's lodged their 17 million song fund to boost investment in India. Yes, he has provided grants to the media. But how do you assume that all of those grants are given to journalists who work against India? Right. So, uh, you know, I mean, you can disagree with Soros, but how do you necessarily argue that everything and all his money is gone and it somehow corrupted India and we are all going to collapse? Like a pack of cards. <clears throat> Yogendraji, you're on mute. Just unmute yourself. I, I said I'm not going to get into this trap. No, no, please uh, do. I'm trapping Soros you. Please has answer. done some very nice things for India. Let him do that. I really don't <laughs> care. I don't need lectures on democracy for Mr. Soros. And I think all four panelists on this panel agree that uh, the prime minister of this country does not need to respond to Mr. Soros. I completely agree with that. The only question is, should he not respond to the parliament of India? Should he not respond to the people of India about the Adani scam? I was actually very encouraged when Ambassador Sibyl started speaking about dishonorable practices in business. I thought, all right, yes. And I agreed with him when he spoke about Soros. Soros has a dubious reputation, has had made ways of making money, which are not honorable. And I thought, now Mr. Sibyl has got it. Now he's going to talk about Adani. Now he's going to talk about dishonorable practices of Gautam Adani. Now he's going to talk about the allegations of fraud. Now he's going to talk about the manner in which stock market was manipulated. Now he's going to talk about SEBI. Now he's going to talk about the Prime Minister closeness to Mr. Adani but he went silent I was very disappointed alright let me ask Ambassador sure that question time. No, one second. I'm sure next time he will talk about all no, this we have time let him answer let him answer let, let, let him answer this is, a, this is a freewheeling conversation. This is not it's a subject. Go ahead. No, no, you're in the, you're in the G1 seat. Let him answer. You've asked a pointed question. 
This uh, is ambassador, not, go ahead. Yeah. Ambassador Sibur. This is not the subject we are discussing. If, if you that want is the subject knife, we are discussing, sir. Adani is the subject. If you, have a, if you have a political knife into Modi, I don't have it and I don't need to have it. And I don't have to go on talking about extraneous subjects, which are not the subject matter of discussion. And I'm not interested in, in getting into politics. But look where Soros spoke. He spoke at the Munich Security Conference, which is a security conference, which deals with geopolitics. And he uses that platform uh, to say all the things that he has said about, about evicting, if he can, Modi from power in 2024. That's the agenda. And it's not as if he his past is innocent. In 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 1979, he supported the Solidarity Movement. He supported the Charter 77 in Czechoslovakia. He supported Sakharov in the Soviet Union. He supported the Rose Revolution in in, in Georgia. His 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 activities have been banned in Kazakhstan. They have been banned in Belarus, Hungary, which is his home original home. Uh, he is declared the enemy. Of the state in in 2017, but, but in a lot of these cases, the ambassador in the post-Soviet context, so that's the other in, side of it. In 2017, six U.S. senators uh, protested to the Secretary of State that Soros's money was going through the U.S. aid to Macedonia. He's been very very anti-Russian on Ukraine. He's been pleading for billions of dollars of assistance. Uh, to Ukraine to fight Russia. That's why he mentioned in his uh, thing at uh, the Munich Security Conference that India is buying discounted oil from Russia. Hmm? So he, he, this is his background. And therefore, we have to take seriously his platform, who he is, his past, and the linkages he has with the financial world. As you know that in, uh, 19, in, the, in 1997, uh, he, he, he brought the, <laughs> that Black Wednesday in Britain, where he did he short sold 10 billion pounds, converted them into uh, Deutsche Marks, and uh, the next day he earned one billion dollars. But Black Wednesday gave way to White Wednesday because Britain proceeded to get its economy in better shape. Anyhow, I'm just making a. Anyway, I, I'm not, not, not to, not to he, he short sell during the 1997, 1998. No, okay. 2000. Okay, so, so Ambassador, I'm no, running no, no, short no, on time. I get the point that you're saying. No, let me complete. No, no. He, he short sell against the bath. He short sell okay. against the yen. And that's how he's been making money. Okay. Look at the man's background. He's okay. And yet, a person who him everybody seems to suggest. Word. Ambassador, Ambassador, half a second. And yet, a person who is, where everybody says is, is terribly dubious. We've got everybody reacting to him. I mean, what does that but say about to, us? You have to then. I mean, you react, our channels react to everything. No, no, not our, our channels. I mean, yes, of course. I mean, I, 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 I mean, TV channels absolutely, are full of, I'm guilty of that, reacting. But, but Ambassador, our political leaders have been reacting to it as well. That's they my have point. to. All right, okay, to. okay, all right. Let's leave it over there. I'm running out of time. There's an important development, of course, in Maharashtra. So we'll leave it here and we'll come back uh, after this short break with the very latest in what the Election Commission has decided as far as the symbol of the Shiv Sena is concerned. That's up next.
Welcome back. Nearly eight months after his coup in Maharashtra, Shiv Sena, Eknath Shinde's claim on the party's name and bow and arrow symbol has been cleared by the Election Commission in a huge setback for the former Chief Minister Udav Thakre. In a 78-page order on the protracted battle for control of the organization, the Commission said Mr. Shinde, who became Chief Minister after the revolt, was supported by MLAs with 76% of the party's winning votes in the 2019 Maharashtra Assembly elections. Hence, he gets the name and the symbol. well, joining us now, uh, Chandrasekhar Jha, Shiv Sena leader who is pro-Thakre, and we are also joined by Kiran Pawaskar, spokesperson of the Shiv Sena in the, in the Shinde camp. Thank you both very much uh, for being with us. Let me go across to Mr. Jha first. Um, what are you going to do now? I mean, are you going to go to the Supreme Court uh, to, to challenge what the Election Commission has done? Uh, surely, uh, because uh, this is an order which has been passed by Election Commission is totally unconstitutional. And if you see the uh, order uh, is passed in complete haste and knowing very well that uh, disqualification uh, pendency of that case is before the Honorable Supreme Court, how can Election Commission and uh, the uh, constitutional body decide on this issue that the symbol and the uh, party name will go to some other faction. But there is nothing very well. on the election commission, uh, Chandrasekhar uh, Jhasab, that uh, that prevents them from waiting for the Supreme Court. They could decide when they want to, and they've been hearing this for a while. Yes, they, they were hearing it for the while, but uh, still if you see, uh, the Supreme Court has to decide on the disqualification. If the disqualification happens... Uh, in the near future, uh, the uh, order passed by the election commission itself uh, becomes null and void. No, but uh, it, what is the immediate impact on you? And in terms of the identity, the fact that you don't have your symbol anymore, there, there are uh, municipality elections coming up. Do you believe that you're already going to be losing out? See, uh, the mandate will decide everything. Uh, the legacy, the question of legacy, everybody is raising. The mandate will decide everything. Uh, we are not onto that. But certainly, uh, this uh, order has to be challenged, and uh, we think uh, the Honorable Supreme Court or the Honorable High Court uh, will decide the issue. The other issue, of course, is uh, is the legacy of of Bala Sab. Now, that is something that you have uh, traditionally held on to. I mean, obviously, there's a family association, but they also say, "Does the Shinde camp that look no?" That is our identity. So they are usurping what is, or they are trying to usurp what is closest uh, to, to your side. 
see the legacy uh, when uh, nobody can claim a legacy which we are having as the original shikshana uh, this legacy will not go to them uh, without any mandate the mandate of the public is very important in uh, deciding the legacy who retains the legacy the uh, the body election commission does not have the right to decide a legacy they have decided something which is unconstitutional and further uh clearly it is uh, it has happened under the instructions of uh, bjp and mr narayan rane 3 uh, 4 days back itself had said that uh, the shivshana will lose the symbol no but so you know i'm just trying clear. to understand even hypothetically speaking if all of the uh, uh, mlas close to mr shinde are um, disqualified by the supreme court does that necessarily bring down the government in the state yes naturally because the government will come into the minority Are you certain about that number? About yes, the numbers? Yes, the number has to go down because already sixteen MLAs were disqualified. So if you count the numbers also, uh, the the uh, the government will go away. What if there was a, a further defection to the BJP at that stage? See, uh, the as per the tenth schedule, they have to march, and if they don't march, they are they have no right to carry on with this government. and eventually if you see this government has been running an unconstitutional uh, affair in the maharashtra and they want now say that we are the legacy of uh, uh, push comes to shove push comes to shove why won't they merge if they are held to be dis if they are held to be disqualified then how do you assume that they won't merge with the bjp because that's what you've always stated that is the Those bjp things are speculations this. we don't want to go into speculations right now and politics in politics we always say that there is nothing permanency in uh, politics uh, there might be certain kind of incident which might happen in future we don't know what will happen uh, but uh, eventually this order is completely unconstitutional and it should be declared as null and void and it should not be executed in any circumstances all right Thanks Mr. Jha very much for being with us. This is now going to go to the Supreme Court. Two cases are being heard in the Supreme Court, one on disqualification, one on the issue of uh, of symbol and name. Uh Kiran Pawarskar, spokesperson of the Shin of the Shiv Sena uh, of the Shiv Sena because that's what it is now joins us. So we used to call it the Shinde camp, but it is very much the Shiv Sena now per the Election Commission uh, of India. Uh you know how do you actually see uh, the decision of the election commission because you know it's also being heard in the supreme court so if you have some of your leaders who are disqualified you know everything might crumble for you jis jis ka intezar bahut din se tha agar abhi hum log varsha nivasthan jo mukhyamantri nivasthan pe sab log hai wahan par joro choro mein yahan par jashn manaya ja raha hai maharashtra ke har ek city mein har ek gaon mein jashn manaya jayega और सही बात यही हुई कि जिस चीज का इंतजार था उद्धव ठाकरे शिवसेना में उठाव करके जब हमारे महाराष्ट्र के मुख्यमंत्री एकनाथ जी शिंदे साहब ने जब शुरुआत की तभी हमें यह पता था कि एक न एक दिन सब लोग जो लोग प्यार करते हैं बाला साहब के ऊपर आनंद दिघे जी के ऊपर ये सब लोग हमारे साथ जुड़ जाएंगे तो उद्धव ठाकरे इनकी होगी इनका ही होगा तो उद्धव ठाकरे जी के समर्थक के समर्थकों को कहना है कि इलेक्शन कमीशन का जो का जो डिसीजन हुआ है वो बीजेपी के प्रेशर के कारण हुआ है तो आप इसमें क्या कहेंगे देखिए ये बात सही होगा कि ये लोग अपनी अपनी राय देते रहेंगे 
क्योंकि उनको पता है कि हमारे साथ जितने भी विधायक जुड़ गए हैं वो पचास के ऊपर अगर विधायक है तेरह एम है तो जिन लोगों ने महाराष्ट्र के लोगों ने उनको वोट्स दिए हैं, उनको जिता के लेके आए हैं उनके बारे में इलेक्शन कमीशन कभी कुछ सोचेगी नहीं आप इलेक्शन कमीशन किसके बारे में सोचेगी जी कौन किसका बेटा है इसके बारे में सोचेगी या जिन्होंने जिता के दिया है उन उन लोगों के बारे में सोचेगी तो ये बोलना एक उनके हाथ से तो पूरा सब कुछ चला गया है सरकार चली गई एक पार्टी लेवल के अगर देखने जाए तो इसके पिताजी ने जो पार्टी बनाई थी वो संभाल नहीं सके विधायक चले गए एमपी चले गए तो नेचुरल बात है वो कुछ ना कुछ ऐसी भड़काऊ लैंग्वेज में कुछ ना कुछ बोलते रहेंगे पावस्कर जी संजय राउत को कहना है कि जो लोग आपके पक्ष में है इस वक्त वो वापस चले जाएंगे उद्धव ठाकरे जी के पास तो और वो कॉन्फिडेंट है कि ये होने वाला है तो इस पर आप क्या कहेंगे देखिए अगर देखिए बाड़ा साहब की अगर इससे पहले भी एक इंटरव्यू हुई है उसमें साफ साफ उन्होंने बता दिया है कि अगर मेरी शिवसेना कांग्रेस जैसी चलने लगी तो मैं ये बंद करूंगा शट करूंगा इन्होंने वही काम किया है भारत जोड़ो अभियान में ये आदित्य ठाकरे साथ में घूम रहा था कांग्रेस के साथ आपने राज सरकार बनाई थी नतीजा क्या निकला आपके वहां पर उठा हुआ आपके ऊपर सब विधायक नाराज होकर बाहर निकल गए सरकार बनाई गई है आज इलेक्शन कमीशन ने भी ये एक्सेप्ट किया है कि आपके पास आपको निशानी है वो भी देने हैं और पक्ष का नाम भी देना है और उनके पक्ष का नाम क्या है उद्धव ठाकरे तो वो नाम लेके चलाइए मैं आज भी दावे के साथ बोलता हूं जो जो लोग महाराष्ट्र के या देश के जो लोग बाड़ा साहब को मानते हैं बाड़ा साहब के विचारों को मानते हैं वो सबके सब हमारे साथ यहां पर दिखाई देंगे ऑल राइट किरण पावस्कर जी थैंक्स वेरी मच फॉर स्पीकिंग टू अस ओवर देयर सो वी हैड किरण पावस्कर ऑफ द शिवसेना एज यू कैन सी सेलिब्रेशन टेकिंग प्लेस एंड इट्स नो लॉन्गर शिंदे कैंप इट इज दी शिवसेना ऑन द बेसिस ऑफ वॉट द इलेक्शन कमीशन हैज डिसाइडेड बट इट्स गोइंग टू द सुप्रीम कोर्ट Uh, in terms of the decision of the election commission what happens over there there's also that disqualification issue uh, which is going to be looked at very very closely one way or the other uh, maharashtra politics continue to be very busy indeed we leave you with these images